0: I'm crying, you know, I'm a, you know, I was 36 years old or something at the time, and I'm so scared that I'm going to die, and it's not even in a joking way, like, there was no humor, at least uh, in the moment, there was no humor in in how I was feeling, and I wanted to bring my phone, and I wanted to, because I thought, you know, someone's going to need to call the ambulance.
1: Welcome to the Start Anywhere Podcast. You're in the right place if you want to hear inspiring stories and get fired up to live life to the fullest. I'm Crystal Garrett, broadcaster turned podcaster, former national team runner and serial goal getter. Every week you'll hear fascinating stories from people all over the world. Every single person you'll meet once started anywhere and eventually made their dreams come true. The aim of this podcast is to entertain you, but hopefully inspire you. Whether you're after a small goal or a big dream, the best place to start is wherever you are right now. So let's go. Let's do this. Let's start anywhere.
0: Every day, you know, is a is a fresh, you know, opportunity to begin again. That's part of something I learned in, uh, in sobriety as well, like being mindful and in the moment rather than being constantly projected way out into the future and embarrassed about something that happened 15 years ago and being like a ghost in the present that's kind of the way I operated and now I try not to project too much beyond today and uh, I let the the door to the past is always open and accessible but it's there as a tool to be more relatable
1: that's bob stewart who's our guest today on the start anywhere podcast he has such an inspiring story to share that he wrote a book called the running shaped hole all about how he battled his addictions to alcohol and food and lost more than 140 pounds by running Now, he didn't start running overnight. In fact, his road to recovery literally started with one scary step. But his health had become so bad that he was in a life-or-death situation if he didn't take some action to change his ways. Now Bob's experience reminds me of one of my favorite quotes, which brings me comfort all the time, because I often do find myself getting overwhelmed, and this can happen after scrolling on social media and comparing myself to others who seem to be way ahead of me in life in various ways. And maybe you can feel like that too sometimes, but some days I feel like I'm on fire and I can do anything, and other days I'm just so discouraged, honestly, I can barely move. It feels like I'm in a dream, one of those dreams where you're trying to run, but your legs feel like rubber. Maybe you've been there too. But if you get in that state, like I do sometimes, this quote from the late Martin Luther King Jr. may bring you some comfort. You don't have to see the whole staircase, just take the first step. Now, very few of us can see the whole staircase of life. We just have to know where we want to go, even in very general terms. And for Bob, he knew he needed to get healthier. So if he didn't take a step, he was going to die before his 40th birthday. And he had a wife and three small children who needed him at that time. So today he talks about how he mustered up the courage to take that very scary first small step on that staircase and then how he found the will to keep on climbing Now, Bob Stewart is someone I've known for a long time. In fact, he went to grad school with my husband in Montreal. I was working in TV at the time there. And Bob was really more of an acquaintance than a friend. But I do remember him fondly as a fun-loving, humorous, and very intelligent person. And he did an excellent job of hiding the fact that he was, in fact, spiraling downward. Recently, Bob came back into my life indirectly, I guess, as my husband Alex, who's a writer, was asked to read and blur Bob's new book called The Running Shaped Hole. Now, blurbing is an important part of the book selling process. Every author sends out arcs or advanced reader copies of their book to other authors in the hopes that they'll read it. And if they like it, they'll write a little paragraph of endorsement that the publishers can add to the book's cover. Now, my husband actually did like the book and his blurb is at the very top of the back cover. So I'll read that blurb for you now. The beautiful intimacy of Stewart's writing, it carries us across the border that so often separates us from ourselves and the people we live with. The Running-Shaped Hole is a memoir that will move you literally. Now, I think my husband Alex did a good job with that blurb, but this is how I would have written it. In The Running-Shaped Hole, Bob Stewart writes with humor and startling honesty about his struggles with addiction to alcohol and food and how running helped him get a foothold on his life. It's a beautifully crafted book that proves life gets better and brighter when we embrace our darkest fears. Now, that pretty much sums up the book. And Bob found hope by literally starting anywhere and taking a first scary step. And in his case, it was a slow walking step. But eventually, he began to lose weight, and he gained a grip on his life. So let's hear that story from Bob Stewart now. This book is really about transformation. And you describe many different transformations you've been through in the time that you write this book. You start in high school, and you take us to close to where we are now in time, but it's to my mind, not really a book about running, or is it a book about weight loss per se? Although you did lose a lot of weight um, in the course of the book, and we're going to touch on those things. But how would you describe this book?
0: Well, it is primarily, you know, in in a very simple sense, it's it's a memoir. It's a it's a it's a narrative, uh, and it is a I guess a transformative one. Um. You know, I started writing it based on some running journals that I was, uh, advised to keep as a new runner, uh, runners who were much, I was doing a learn to run clinic here in Windsor. Uh, and one of the suggestions they had was, you know, uh, keep a running journal. So, you know, what's working for you, what's not working for you. So I started doing that, you know, uh, And at first, the journal was very data-focused. It was, you know, this is the date. This is the temperature. This is what I was wearing. This is how far I ran. This is where I ran. This was my pace. And But being a writer and someone who has always related to the world through story and, you know, telling them and listening to them, these journal entries start to take on a more narrative uh, form where if I ran into someone on a run, uh, which I love to do, I would say, Oh, I ran into so-and-so and and we talked about this. Or if I saw something interesting or was thinking about something, uh, the journal, so the journal started to be less about the data, which could always just be recorded on your watch or on your phone app anyway. And more about, you know, the person who's doing the running Mm
1: -hmm. and,
0: uh, so that was, you know, the the book was born out of uh, a running journal, uh, and it uh, it started to take on a life of, of more than just yeah the the cold data of running that runners can get very into <laughs> in a in a uh, almost uh, in a way that I've never really been comfortable with actually not not in speaking about it. I don't, I tend not to talk a lot about time and pace and, uh, you know, accomplishments as a runner. Just going for the run is often the accomplishment, so
1: yeah I'm with you one hundred percent, like I really identify as a runner, and i I hardly ever worry about about those sorts of things, but hats off to those who who are that is what motivates them because you know running mm-hmm. is such a beautiful thing you know if you can develop any kind of relationship with it then then please yeah. do but and that's my next question because a lot of people listening may dream of running one day they may have always thought running looks fun or you know it's a great way to lose weight or a great way to get healthy, in air quotes, but they're intimidated by it. And and it's interesting, in your book you talk about, you know, the very first time you went running, you were you were almost at the heaviest you ever were. Like, how did you even decide, oh, I'm going to go for a run today?
0: Well, in the book I described a, a very early uh, aborted attempt to, to become a runner when my wife had started going to that same running clinic I just mentioned. And she was trying to encourage me to come with her, and I agreed. And I was terrified. And we were standing outside on the sidewalk in front of our house, and I'm crying. You know, I'm a, you know, I was 36 years old or something at the time, and I'm so scared that I'm going to die, and not even in a joking way, like. There was no humor, at least uh, at, in the moment, there was no humor in in how I was feeling. And I wanted to bring my phone and I wanted to because I thought, you know, someone's going to need to call the ambulance, you know, at some point. And we were just doing like a simple walk-run method uh, that at that time, too, where you, you know, walk for two, run for one, walk for two, run for one minute. I know I don't think I ever really got over that fear because obviously the running didn't stick that first time around. It was a few years went by before I gained more weight and become more depressed and self-conscious and filled with that, you know, this self-loathing that, you know, I uh, you know, talk about kind of extensively in the book. It got to a point though where the fear of not doing anything, the fear of stasis and the fear of just staying the course was no longer sustainable. It it had been something I'd been sustaining most of my adulthood, is just living with that fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you get to the point where you're no longer comfortable with it. And it, I realized I was at like that jumping off place where it was either I just continue on the course and probably not make it into my 40s, or uh, I do something different. And, uh, you know, that I describe what doing doing that something different is or was on a particular day in the book. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm not going to give away all the secrets of the book. It's, it's a great read, and, and I really think anyone listening would find it incredibly inspiring, incredibly inspiring, but particularly people who may be where you were. And I think it's important that you share with the people who are listening right now just where you were, because a lot of people listening are right there with you now. You were very, um, you were very overweight to the point where the doctor was saying you had to take action or you, you may not be able to uh, see your children grow up into see adulthood. Like, let's talk about where you were when you yeah. started. When I was in
0: high school and even in early university, I've always been – I'm not a particularly tall person. Uh, I'm I'm about five foot ten on a good day, uh, but I'd always been you know big, you know broad-shouldered, you know I probably hit 200 pounds uh, when I was in grade eight or nine maybe, but uh you know it, I wasn't I wasn't heavy I didn't uh, present as a heavy person then I was just like a big kid and I played football and I played baseball and I was on the high school swimming team. And uh, then I got into university and I was in a band and there's other lifestyle things that started uh, taking effect in my life uh, and just the sedentary lifestyle of, a, of an English major. Uh, and by the time I was in uh, grad school in Montreal in the late 90s, I was probably around 260 to 280 pounds and by the time I was getting married a few years after that in 2000 I was probably about 300 pounds, 310 pounds and by 2012 a young a father of three, you know, young kids, uh working at a newspaper, I was so heavy our scale wouldn't accurately weigh me. I got on our scale one day I can't even remember why. (laughs) I wouldn't say it was curiosity. It was probably some kind of terror. And uh, it just said error. Like it wouldn't weigh me. And so I figure I was close to 400. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was part of what got me to a doctor, a cardiologist. Uh, I started walking. And uh, by the time I had lost... Some weight, and we went out and bought a digital scale that would actually rate someone up to four hundred pounds. I weighed uh three sixty eight is and that's like the that 's the day I knew how how heavy I had become, but I know in my heart that a few weeks before that I was heavier
1: mm-hmm, so mm mm-hmm. And then I know that it was it like the the you must read the book because it, although it's not an instructional book about weight loss or a book about running per se, you do talk about the ups and downs, literally and figuratively, of of that journey. How difficult was it for you to 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 lose that weight? Because I know you did lose a lot of weight.
0: Well, I, yeah, I eventually I lost. I set a goal to lose a hundred pounds by my fortieth birthday which gave me about uh it was that was g- gave me about 18 months to do it. And uh I started walking first. Walking was an important huge first step for me because I was sca- I was sca- I didn't set out to run. I set out to lose weight and I started by walking. And after about 3 months of walking and losing uh and you know, I started tracking my food on an app on my phone. Uh, everything, everything I ate uh, was tracked, and uh, I still do that today. And uh, so I started walking, and I lost about sixty pounds in a few months. It, it, I think it's with men. This is what I've heard. I don't. I know there's a lot of anecdotal evidence for this, but men tend to lose weight quicker. Once it starts, it kind of, and it it really did start peeling away. And, uh, once I started seeing those results, I was encouraged, of course, but then I got a green light from a cardiologist who kind of said, uh, you know, you are obviously out of shape. You are, I was still over 300 pounds and, uh, you, you need, but your heart is okay. You haven't damaged your heart to any extent that you can't go ahead and get well. So, that kind of gave me the green light, and I was getting very bored of walking, walking around at night through the neighborhood, uh, sometimes 6, 8, 10 kilometers at a stretch. And one night, I went out for this walk, and I was just so sick of walking and feeling so good physically that I decided I was going to run. Uh, I was still scared. I was very scared, but I was like, I don't, I don't think I have a choice. I think I either – start moving forward uh you know progressing or 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 the stasis will take me backwards i'll regress so i ran 210 meters and i was terrified and uh but i survived and each night after that i would add a little bit more of a run to my walk and by that so that was in um february 2013 and by september i was running like half marathon distances so that's and i nice. lo- and i lost 140 pounds before my 40, before my 40th birthday i'd actually eclipsed the weight loss goal too uh so and i you know uh i got down to about you know 220 pounds 225 pounds in that neighborhood so.
1: that's incredible that's incredible i mean that is That is huge. And what an accomplishment. I mean, how do you feel looking back that that you were able to do that?
0: It's like recalling a dream. It's kind of a a little bit hazy. And I would have to – I try not to give myself too much credit for it. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I can get very, you know, uh, complacent. And self-congratulatory very quick. And the way I uh, congratulate myself is to eat. I'm still, you know, like I said, I still track everything I everything I eat. And I do that because my relationship with food is never going to, like, I can sustain one day at a time eating better. Uh, if I try to turn it into I'm never going to eat poorly again in my life you know, that becomes a lot of pressure to try to live up to this uh, this purity test of will I ever eat a donut? Will mm-hmm. I ever go out for dinner and walk away and say, oh, man, I ate too much? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do that. You know, I've done that this week. I don't let it uh, derail everything because if there's one thing that running has taught me and one thing this whole experience has taught me, uh, it's that, you know, I, I'm very, very painfully, uh, human and flawed. And, uh, and that painful part is, is normalcy, you know. Uh, when I say I'm painfully human, I, I think, I, what I really mean, I think is I'm just, uh, there's nothing spectacular or noteworthy about, uh, you know, about me or what I've done it it was uh you know it was required to survive and uh, i think that is uh <laughs> it, at at its base that that's what uh that's what we're supposed to do so really i was just doing what i was what i should have been doing all along and uh, i i i'm you know uh, obviously i'm happy uh, about it uh but i don't let it become a uh you know a reward system in itself. You know, I, I, I try to keep it one day at a time and just uh, allow myself to be, you know, not perfect. So.
1: Well, that's what, when I read the book, that was my takeaway from it, that it really is a book about transformation. And despite the fact that you've overcome many, many, many obstacles, you, there's, there was the alcohol um, addiction mm-hmm. and then food addiction and then the running. And there was a time in your life, too, when you were unemployed. And and that didn't that, you know, I'm, and I'm not giving away um, all of the spoilers of the book, that, that these are all places where a lot of people listening right now, they are right there with you. And you talk about honestly, about how you worked through those things, not always successfully. And that's what I love about the book, because it's superhuman, super honest. And um, the transformation that I love is that you went from someone who was sort of, I don't know, almost if if it's fair to say, like in denial And then you're super aware of who you are and and what you're doing. It's like you became more human or more compassionate or, or something. But your transformation as a human being is what I found most beautiful about the book.
0: I think, yeah, there's the crucial kind of one of the things I had to come to terms with in writing a book about running is that my running story actually has like a it's you know even my eating story uh ha, there's a major component of it that has to do with alcoholism um and you know i've uh, I'm i've been sober for 19 years but there was a time in my life when alcohol completely ran the show everything i did was about drinking and uh you know i was able to graduate you know go to grad school I was able to start a career as a journalist I was able to be married have kids but none of it was everything was a fantasy everything was a life that I thought I was projecting I, I wasn't doing really any writing as far as you know uh, you know the writing that I wanted to do like poetry and fiction and eventually this memoir which came later of course but I wanted to be seen as a writer and live the life that I thought writers lived uh, when I was going around to all the bars in Windsor at night. But I wasn't doing any of the work. It was I was living, you know, in this fantasy up here in my head about who I was and how people saw me. And it allowed me to live in denial for a long time about one of the things that people saw is that I was, uh, you know, gaining a lot of weight and becoming more and more cynical and depressed and difficult to be around because of those things um, I wasn't necessarily violent I wasn't uh, I I was I often say I, I was you know when I was out drinking I was I was a, a very jovial you know life of the party style drunk and a very miserable uh cynical sober person when I was like at home trying to be, you know, a husband and a father and a son and a friend and an employee, you know, if I was drinking, I was happy. If, if I was, if it was the middle of the day and I had to be sober, I was, uh, you know, discontent, malcontent. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, uh, the denial part of the whole thing was, you know, when I got sober, I was holding on to this one thing. Lots of things in my life got better. My relationships with people got better. I started to develop uh, a faith that I had been in denial about for a long time. But I was hanging on to this one element of my personality that was made me feel comfortable, and that was food. You know, I could always turn to food for comfort, and I wasn't willing to change that. I was, uh, you know, I was. 11 years sober when i was had gained weight up to around 400 pounds so uh, i was uh, in a way kind of using you know sobriety as a bit of a shield you know at least i'm sober at least you know i'm not drunk at least i'm you know i'm working and at least uh, you know i know my kids but could i do anything Could I go on a canoe ride with my kids? I describe a canoe ride in the book that was disastrous. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could I help coach baseball? I tried, but, you know, I went from playing 10 years of baseball and being a pretty good player, uh, you know, uh, in the 80s and early 90s to not being able to bend over to pick up a ground ball and not being able to uh, crouch down uh, as a bat catcher, which is the position I primarily played. I couldn't do it anymore. Not just because my knees are the knees of an older person, but like it was like the, my corpulence would not allow me. I didn't have any balance. I didn't have any coordination. I certainly didn't have the cardiovascular fitness for it. So, yeah, sober was great, but I needed to become sober from food, too.
1: Did you know, Season 2 of the Start Anywhere podcast is already in the works. If you have an inspiring story or you know someone who does, get in touch with me. I would love to hear from you. I'm looking for stories from people who once started anywhere, then made a dream come true at different ages and stages of life. Maybe that's you, or maybe it's someone who inspires you. Either way, I want to know about it. And I'd love for you to join the Start Anywhere community. Sign up for the newsletter to keep tabs on what's happening behind the scenes. You can get my contact information in the show notes or go to my website, crystaljoygarrett.com. Now, back to the episode. I know you had a big, really huge, successful launch in Windsor, Ontario, where you live recently. What's the response been from people?
0: The response has been overwhelming. Even the launch, uh, there was people from my grade school who showed up, who, who saw you know, there was an article in the paper and, uh, there was a, you know, some other media hits that they saw and they just, they came out and I've received emails and Facebook messages and, you know, uh, all kinds of messages from people all over North America really who are in bookstores in the Yukon or, you know, uh, south carolina and things like that and they're finding my books or people who are taking my book on vacation to europe or the caribbean and and, and you know they the book is more well-traveled than i am uh but it's very gratifying because and people like i'm having coffee tomorrow i've been i've been having an endless string of coffee dates with people who now want to go out for coffee because they need to talk to me about the book they got they need, there's something they want to say about the book. There's, they need to pick my brain about something. And it's not always about running. Uh, it's it's often about the kind of that emotional journey of, uh, you know, of where maybe they've known me for a long time. Uh, the person I'm having coffee with tomorrow is someone I knew professionally. Uh, he was a an administrator in a community uh, near Windsor. And I was a journalist who covered that community for many years. But he came out to the launch and now he's like, we need to talk because I've known you in a professional way for a long time. But I read your book and, you know, we need to sit down. So uh, and I'm very open to that. I enjoy those conversations. So a guy came to the launch who pulled me aside and he was a very, you know, he was a large man. He was actually quite tall. He was probably six foot four six foot five but he was he was very you know he was certainly overweight a bit older and he was near tears and he wanted he just said i read the article in the paper uh that you know touched on a few points about the uh, the weight loss and he says i knew i had to come here and i had to meet you because i've been thinking that i need to do something like this and he asked me like what what he should do and I I said the book is not a how-to manual I need to tell you that right off the top it's not an instructional manual on on how to start running and uh, I'm very conscious of not coming across as some kind of guru or professional trainer certainly but I said you know if I could give you a couple pieces of advice uh, the first would be to do what I did is just to start walking you know Mm -hmm. and tracking your food and working up to running you know uh if that's the way you want to go but maybe cycling's the way you want to go or maybe playing racquetball is the way you want to go or you know it's it's you know it doesn't have to be running you know it, it it's running for me but it doesn't have to be running for everybody so yeah that that's the kind of response i've been getting and a lot of it is is unexpected but very gratifying because it keeps me mindful of uh you know that, uh, you know, there's a certain responsibility mm-hmm. that uh, comes with maybe talking about some of these, you know, uh, some of the subject matter, but, and I, but it helps me. Being open with people and talking to people, uh, that keeps me mindful of where I've been and what I need to do. So
1: Yeah, and it's amazing how people, when you tell your story and you're honest how people actually, they seem to be gravitated towards that. We're all, a lot of times we're walking around kind of like trying to be, I don't know if perfect is the right word, but you got a bit of a mask on. You're trying to, you know, put your best self out in the world, put your big big person pants on and go out and about. But it's often when we kind of let our guard down and we're just really honest about the stuff we've been through when, when we connect with people the most.
0: Yes, it's, you know, uh, like I said, i projected this facade for so long of who I wanted people to see, you know, and when I think back, it's so strange that the person I wanted people to see at one point in my life was a guy who went from bar to bar in the neighborhood every night uh, by himself often on a Mm -hmm. Tuesday night, looking for where the party is and and being a little bit dismayed that I wasn't really finding where the party was, but I was certainly going to have three or four drinks in every, in every spot that I hit and but so i was satisfied that that is the kind of character i wanted to be uh seen as yeah and i i look back and i just you know i don't regret you know i regret is dangerous i don't regret that because it helps being able to talk to people about that and share that you know makes it more relatable so well, that's that's common that's that's not just me i i i know that that is a common thing so,
1: For sad. sure. Now, when I first heard about you writing the book, um, I, you're friends with my husband. I yes. you know, used to chat back in the day when you were in grad school in Montreal. I was living in Montreal at that time, and I remember some, some great conversations. Mm-hmm. But when, when I heard he wrote the book, and Alex was reading it, and I, I thought, oh, I've got to get Bob on the podcast. I want to hear this transformation story. And then I hadn't read the book yet, though. And then I read the book, and now I'm even more glad to have you on the podcast because – it's not a, it is a transformation story but what I love about it is it's not linear. You have your good days, you have your bad days, you have your your great accomplishments, you have the times when you hit rock bottom and then that's not even the rock bottom there's a deeper lower rock bottom. And I want what I love is having you on this podcast to share every we always end with advice, but we chatted about this a little bit yesterday and I wanted to talk about this is called the Start Anywhere podcast, but a lot of people kind of get thrown off by that. I've gotten feedback from people. They love the stories, but they're like, But I don't know where to start. The start I love your story because it's you talked about you don't have to just start one place. You can start over and over and over again. Let's let's leave people with that advice. Can you tell me can you expand on that for the listeners?
0: Well, as you know, I, I spoke a few minutes ago about how I am very cognizant of what a imperfect uh person I am, what, and I believe that that is a universal thing, it's not like I'm whipping myself with that Uh, you know flaws are you know, they always say we're we're more uh, brothers and sisters in our flaws than in our you know, Mm -hmm. that is often the thing that connects people, is the failings and uh, so as someone who believes in that very much, I think I also have to believe you know as someone who got sober at a at a time when death was uh, you know going to be the result, and then as someone who uh, was able to curb his appetite for food when death was also going to be the result, uh, I have to believe in change. And you know, change isn't always you know, change just doesn't. You use the word linear. Change does not move in like a linear direction. Mm-hmm you know change is messy and change moves in all kinds of directions and uh so i believe that you know i mentioned earlier too that i the other day i i know i ate too much i got i got into the bread as i say i have this thing with carbohydrates you know it starts like a mania where i i have too much and then i'm thinking about it and then i want more but i didn't wake up the next day and uh I didn't beat myself up too much and I didn't figure it's all for naught now. Uh, It took a long time to gain enough weight to be almost 400 pounds. Uh, So I know that even though when I eat like that, I feel very, I feel bloated. I feel Mm -hmm. sick, like physically ill, but it's a small, you know, it's not like I gained all that weight back. It's actually, I probably gained a lot less than I think I did. Mm -hmm. And What I rather than whip myself and brood about it and feel bad about it, uh, what I should do is start over Uh, every day, you know, is a is a fresh, you know, opportunity to begin again. That's part of something I learned in uh, in sobriety as well, like being mindful and in the moment rather than being constantly projected way out into the future and embarrassed about something that happened 15 years ago and being like a ghost in the present that's kind of the way i operated and now i try not to project too much beyond today and uh, i let the the door to the past is always open and accessible but it's there as a tool as i mentioned to be more relatable no pressure
1: no pressure, unlimited do-overs, you're a yeah. human being, own own your mistakes because, you know, they're yes. just part of the mosaic of the human experience. Before we go, is there any last little bit of advice or anything you'd like to share with the people listening right now um, before they run out to the bookstore and buy the running Shape hole?
0: Well, yes. I think, you know, if, uh, if you think running is your thing uh, and you want to give it a shot and See if there's a running group in your, uh, in your community, uh, whether it's associated with a running store where they sell running shoes and running gear. Uh, there often will be some kind of learn to run clinic or search, do a Google search or a Facebook search on running groups in your area. You know, I have, and I talk about this in the book, I have a hard time with group running. But because I have a hard time with group running, uh, I know that the hard time I have with group running is in my head. So I try to do – I try to have regular runs with other people, whether it's, you know, groups of people or just another person. It helps me kind of I, – I know I talk about how I try to un, avoid being uncomfortable because it makes me want to eat. But there's also that part of me that I, I need to get a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. Like running is generally, you know, uh you know, it's uh, it's a way to kind of break the habit of being too – um too indolent and at ease with myself. I have to get out there and and put a little bit of pressure on myself to to do something that doesn't necessarily come naturally to me, which is, you know, to run. I never thought I'd be a runner. Um, so, yeah, find, find some people who you can run with, so people who are maybe, you know, not necessarily new runners, but maybe some uh, more experienced runners who can be uh, of, of service, of benefit to your running. Uh, invest in good shoes if you're gonna if you're gonna run. Uh that's uh I'm I'm always amazed at how many people think that it they can probably get away with running in basketball shoes or even like, you know, casual shoes. I've seen it. It sounds crazy, but I've seen it. That's a good way to ruin your feet and not being able to uh to to do it. So take care of your feet. You know, it's like Cliff Clavin on cheers. You thought the meaning of life was uh you know, good shoes. That was basically one of the last, the last lines on Cheers. And I was like, yeah, I think I identify with that.
1: <laughs> Bob, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. If this conversation resonated with you, let me know. And if you'd like to reach out to Bob or read his book, The Running Shaped Hole, I've put links in the show notes. So Bob ends our conversation on a very running note, but he actually reached out to me the next day after we chatted, and he wanted me to tell you that he also wants to share another piece of advice, and this is it. Allow yourself unlimited do-overs. So if you screw up, you can choose to start again and again and again. And as my favorite book character Anne Shirley from Anne of Green Gables said, tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes in it. And now that fiery redheaded character may have been created more than 100 years ago, but I literally carry her advice with me wherever I go. Whenever I make a bad choice or screw up somehow, I just vow to do better and start again. And as Bob said in our conversation, progress toward a challenging goal like weight loss or committing to an exercise program is not linear. You'll have your good days and your bad days. And eventually, with consistency and time, the good days will begin to pile up and you'll have earned some confidence. And then you'll have more resilience to deal with the bad days. The whole process begins with taking that first scary step, like the one Bob took that started him on his journey from self-loathing and self-destruction to where he is now in a place of health and happiness. Now... What if you feel so stuck in your life at the moment, you don't even know how to take that first scary step? You have no idea where you want to go. You just know anything is better than where you are right now. Well, if you're too stuck to start anywhere, you need to meet Melissa Burbage. I say I've stumbled and made a lot of mistakes that weren't actually mistakes. They were lessons that I can teach other people to avoid. My mission is to help women avoid all of the mistakes I made. Melissa went from burnt out to business owner, and she shares how she felt stuck and miserable in her job as a nurse, but she refused to leave until things got so bad she had a breakdown that nearly claimed her life and the lives of her children. Now she helps other people leave unsatisfying jobs to find their soul's purpose at any stage of their career. So learn how to get unstuck so you can soar next on the Start Anywhere podcast. Thanks for listening to the Start Anywhere podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, consider giving it a five-star review before you go. This makes a huge difference in helping people find the podcast more easily. And we're trying to start a movement of positivity here. Before we go, I want to give special thanks to Mike Boyd, who produces this show in the podcast Atlantic Studios in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks again for listening. And until we meet again, remember, whether you're folding a pile of laundry or chasing a big dream, the best thing you can do is start anywhere.